Good morning, family. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you all. Good to see you all. What's up, family? We're doing the read and rant on YouTube again. Good to see y'all. If y'all, if you guys are listening to this on the uh, read and rant podcast, um, I want to encourage you to go to youtube.com slash at Opus YouTube.com slash at Opus Subscribe there. We're going to be putting exclusive content um, there pretty soon. And also you can catch some of these read and rant episodes by video. I don't have all the episodes on there by video, but I have some of them available to you on video. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and uh, and join us there. Uh, join our YouTube community, youtube.com slash at Opus Also, if you are new here and you're on YouTube or you're on the Reading Rant podcast as well, I want to let you know there's a Discord community. I want to encourage you also to join our Discord community, discord.gg slash Opus Frere, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Come and join us there. It's lit out there, family. I want to encourage you, come and join us there. We got a whole community there. And also what we do is is on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have prayer together. We're going to be changing that rhythm pretty soon. Uh, We may increase the frequency of our prayer time. I'm still working out where our schedule is going to be. But I want to encourage you, just go there because we are there every day. We're there regularly, y'all. And uh, we get to connect. And also you get to connect outside of just our live sessions together. I know right now I got folks lit in the chat. I know you guys are are chatting and we get to engage with with each other live. Some of you will be listening to this later. But for even for those of you right now who are on YouTube live, who are engaging with us live, you get to continue the conversation on Discord. So I want to encourage you to come and join our community on Discord. Also, prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Um, your support is what makes all this possible. And I want you guys to really just pray. Ask the Lord, hey, Lord, should I support this ministry? Um and if I should, how much? By how much? Um, we start off with a $10 a month support, but I know some of you give more than that. I want to encourage you, even if you feel like, hey, you know what? I can do $10, but you know, $10 isn't much. It is a big deal, y'all. $10 takes us a long way. And so I want to just encourage you all um, to uh, join us on our Patreon community as well, where you'll get exclusive content there. We're actually going to be growing uh, uh, our Patreon community pretty soon. We're going to be adding more content. We're going to add more exclusive content there. Um, we have our Bible studies there. So I don't have my Bible studies anywhere else other than Patreon. And really, it's it's a token of my gratitude, but also it's a commitment that I want to make for those of you guys who are bought in on what we're doing to grow in the grace, to develop and become um gospel influencers, wherever you are. That's really my passion. My passion is to see people become gospel influencers, to bring the love, the grace, the message, the beauty of Jesus to where you work, live, and play. That's my passion. And and, uh, we're looking to do more. I'm excited because I believe God's got more in store for us as we continue on this journey together. Um, If you are with us live right now, um, maybe you're new to this. Maybe you're new on YouTube. I know I got my Discord fam right now. Discord family, quickly shout out. You know, shout shout them out. Say what's up. Shout out where you're located. Let folks know where you are. Um, we have people from all over the world who come together and who engage with us in the reading of the word. It is so encouraging 
to see folks from all over coming to read God's word. And fam, we hit the 250,000 download mark. Isn't that amazing? We've hit the 250,000 download mark. The Lord is kind. I should put a post on my IG. That's what I should do. I should put a post on my Facebook. Man, we lit up in here because I would have never, never would I have imagined this many people coming together and saying, hey, we just want to read the Bible with you. And that's what we do here. If you are here for the first time, all we're going to do is read scripture, y'all. That's it. We're going to spend a few moments in the reading of the word, and then we're going to spend a few uh, moments reflecting on the word. We call this the read and rant because I'm reading for about 20 to 30 minutes, and I'm going to rant for about 20 to 30 minutes. And we're in the book of Acts. The whole purpose of this was to journey through the entire Bible. And now we are journeying through the book of Acts. And uh, I want to encourage you right now to go ahead and turn your Bible to Acts chapter, uh, are we in 20 today? Are we in 20, y'all? We're in Acts chapter 20. We're in Acts chapter 20, so go ahead and turn your Bible Bibles there. And we're going to pray to get started. Our prayer is to receive from God today. And so we ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we ask. The second question we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? God, what are you revealing concerning me? We're going to get into it, y'all. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us all together. For those of us who are on live right now on Discord or on YouTube, or for those of us who will be listening to this on Patreon later today or in a couple of days, or for those of us who will be listening to this um, a few weeks from now on our podcast. Father, I just pray that you would bless this time. Bless us in the moment that we read it. Father, Father we ask that your Holy Spirit would inspire us encourage us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us, convict us, and, and, and build us up, Father, exhort us, Lord, in your word. Lord, bless this time, Lord. Lord, we submit it to you, we submit our hearts to you, we submit our minds to you. So lead us today. Lead us in the truth of who you are. Let us get to know you better today. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 20. And it says this. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Actually, I'm going to read 19. Sorry, nope. I'm in 20. My apologies. Verse one, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. Now, when he had gone over the region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to 
Return to Macedonia. Sorry. Yes, he decided to return through Macedonia. And so Pater of Berea accompanied him to Asia. Also Aristarchus and Singundus of the Thessalonians and Gaius of Derb and Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him and embraced him and said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Now, when he had come up and broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed and they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted. (laughs) Then he went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos. There intending to take Paul on board for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board, came to Mytilene and sailed from there. We sorry, came to Mytilene. We sailed from there. And the next day came opposite Chios. The following day, we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogilium. The next day, we came to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I was always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now I have, I see and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count myself, sorry, count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. 
Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I am not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. For he purchased with, sorry, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that my departure, that after my departure, sorry, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities. And for all those who are with me, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remembering Sorry, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that he would see that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. Chapter 21. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail running a straight course, we came to Kos the following day to Rhodes and from there Patara. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail that we had sighted Cyprus. We passed it on the left sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore. And when we had taken our ship Sorry, and when we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. And when they had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais, greeted the brethren and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we were, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And when we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. 
Now, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought them a certain nation of Cyprus, a, an elderly disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when they had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. And when we greeted, when we had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have not believed. And they were all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you and you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, what do we tell you? We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them. Pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should themselves abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each of them. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on them, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all the men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled his holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. Accusations. <laughs> and all the city was disturbed and the people ran together, seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Now they were seeking to kill him. News came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came near 
and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob for the multitude of the people are for, for the multitude of the people followed after crying out away with him. Then Paul was about to be led into the barracks. He said to the commander, may I speak to you? He replied, can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led 4,000 assassins into the wilderness? But Paul said, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, I got to read it. Chapter 22. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am a, indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of the Father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death binding and delivering into prisons both men and women as also high priest as also the high priest bears me witness and all the council of the elders from whom i also received letters to the brethren and went to damascus to bring the chains even those who were there to jerusalem to be punished now it happened as i journeyed and came near damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell into the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all the things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now you are wait. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins 
calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I prayed, sorry, not, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him say to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. The commander answered, With a large sum I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, But I was a born citizen. Then, he immediate, then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman because he had bound him. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and their counsels to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop right here. And as you can see, we are hitting an anticlimax to the story. Up to this point, we see the ministry of Paul. We see the boldness of Paul. We see Paul who's operating in. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry, family. We see Paul who's operating in his apostolic calling, going from city to city, preaching the gospel and ministering to those in those cities. He was well-known, well-known in those regions, well-known all across Asia Minor. And as you read in this last portion, Paul was very specific that God had called him specifically there. Paul has traveled all about Asia Minor. He's reached, he's reached Uh, boundaries, horizons that up to this point, nobody has reached among the apostles. When we read at the beginning, as Jesus proclaimed, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, upon us or upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you read that, There were those called to Jerusalem. There were those called to Judea. 
There were those who were called to Samaria. Ah, but there were those who were called to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth are beyond Judea and Samaria. Jerusalem is the heart of the Jewish faith. Jerusalem is the capital. Jerusalem is the pinnacle of Jewish culture. It is the um, it is the center of religion and politics. Everyone goes to Jerusalem to celebrate. All the celebrations, all the feasts, all the religious celebrations, they all, um, they're centered right there in Jerusalem. But then you have Judea and then you have Samaria. Judea is close enough. Samaria is close enough. Another degree of separation, but close enough. Very much Jewish. But the ends of the earth, there's none of that there. The ends of the earth is Ephesus, is Troas, is Philippi. The ends of the earth, the Gentiles. The ends of the earth are all the things we just read here, all the places that Paul went to, Miletus, all these cities that Paul visited and ministered and preached the gospel, and yet the gospel expanded there. See, the difference between the folks who were in Jerusalem and Judea and those who were in Ephesus is that in Jerusalem, they knew the law. They had the law and they followed the law. But someone in Ephesus? Troas? Those regions did not have a law. There was no Jewish law that they followed. They had other belief systems, other spiritualities, other things that governed them. But the law was not one of them. And notice that as they came to faith, Paul didn't feel any kind of conviction or necessity to preach the law to them. He preached Christ. He was not going to impose the law on them. He was going to preach Christ. We saw, as we read, even in, um, in chapter 21, verse 25, what Paul reminded, uh, what Paul was, what we were reminded of in the ministry of the gospel and what Paul was being accused of is that he told them to forsake, though the Jews who were there, to forsake the law. And for the people that they were reaching not to impose the law on them. What did he say in verse 25? He said, concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should not observe no such thing. Huh. Except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. We read this already. This was what they concluded in the Council of Jerusalem when the Jewish Christians were all up in a bun regarding 
the Gentile Christians who are not practicing the Jewish faith, who are not observing the Sabbath, who are not observing the food laws, who are not observing the celebrations, who were not observing the things that the, that were in the law, the practices that were in the law, the rituals in the law. And of course, we know what the conclusion was. And this conclusion now is being repeated right here. These were the accusations that would get Paul in trouble. I don't have a lot of time. I just want to spend a few moments on this because if you'll notice something, Paul is reaching a people, bringing the gospel of Jesus to those people, the religious elite. And another thing to also say is that while Paul is preaching the gospel of those people, we see that Paul continually practiced his Jewish customs. Paul practices Jewish customs, but he practiced them with another heart, with another motivation. He did not practice them unto righteousness or unto salvation, but rather he practiced them for his own sake. But he did not impose those practices on the Ephesians. He did not impose those practices on the Galatians. He did not impose those practices on the church in Troas. He did not he did not impose those practices on the ends of the earth. Because being Jewish didn't make you Christian. There was a difference between the two. And Paul was deeply Jewish. He explains that even as he addresses the mob. And I love how he's leaving Ephesus and he's about to go to Jerusalem. And you feel like there's this, there's this, um, there's this, uh, this is Paul's urge to go to Jerusalem. There's a sense of, 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 of urgency to go to Jerusalem, to go there um, for the celebration. And everyone's warning him not to go. Sounds like somebody we know before. Everyone's warning him not to go. And so he's being urged to go. He's ready to go. He wants to go. He's like, yeah, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And they were saying, don't go, don't go. And Paul even closes with um, a message to the church in Ephesus. And they all express their deep pain, their sorrow, in that they knew, and Paul also knew, that this was the last time he was going to see them. Paul was not expecting to go to Jerusalem and to come out. He was not expecting to go to Jerusalem and to come back to Ephesus. And while he spent a lot of time there, he loved these people very much. He was looking at all of them and saying to them, this is going to be the last that I see you. And this will be the last you see me. Paul was not surprised by what was going to happen next. Paul was going in knowing he's probably not going to make it out. But Paul says, if it is the will of the Lord, let it be done. Like this, is the, this is the boldness that I think some of us have lost in the gospel. Like we say things like, I would die on a hill for this. Would you die for this? 
I mean, Paul is Jewish. He still practices the customs. But would you die for this? Would you die for the Judaizing? Sorry, would you would you die from protecting the Christian faith from being Judaized? Would you die for the sake of the purity of the gospel? Would you die on that hill? And Paul's saying, I would die on that hill. Paul was defending the purity of the gospel. And we already know, we read through it. Paul gets to Jerusalem. And there he is confronting a mob. And here's the powerful thing. And this is all I want to share today because I want you all to remember this today. This is the one thing I want you to remember. You don't have to remember any of this other stuff I was ranting about. But I want you to pay very, very close attention to what happens next. Paul gets arrested. And in, in chapter 22, right before the chapter, Paul asks, first of all, he asks for permission to speak. And so he's in a barrack. He's arrested. He's probably going to be killed. And Paul's like, let me say some final words. Permit me to speak. And the guy says, um, no, sorry. Then in, in chapter 30, 39, Paul says to him, I am a Jew from Tarsus. I'm not even the Egyptian that you're talking about. Because again, they were all kinds of accusations being levied on Paul. And all these accusations, really, a lot of which weren't even true, were being levied on him because at the end of the day, they didn't care for the truth. They just wanted to get rid of him. They didn't care for what was true. They cared to protect their thing. They came to protect their way of life. They came to protect their way of doing things. Even now, today, most people who are debating, and I, this is really important. I'm going to say this because um, I, I need you to observe what's happening even in this time of derision. I want you to observe what's really going down. When you see people argue, most people, when they argue, they're not arguing for the truth. They're not arguing to extrapolate what is true. They're arguing to protect their way of doing things. I find that most people do not actually care about what's true. They actually don't care about what's right and what's wrong. What they care about is winning. Forget about getting to a place of understanding. I just want to win. And many people who are winning arguments are not winning arguments for the sake of revealing more truth. They're winning arguments so that they can preserve their way of life. If I'm comfortable with the way that I live and do what I do, I'm going to throw all kinds of things out there. We're going to debate. We're going to argue. And I'm even going to throw half truths in that are just as deceptive as complete lies. But I'm going to tr throw those half truths, truths in because at the end of the day, I want to protect and preserve my way of living and my way of doing things. Most people argue not for understanding. Most people are arguing for a power trip. This is happening in the church and outside the church. And the church, when most people are arguing, they're arguing for a policy. They're arguing for a cultural position. They're arguing for to preserve a political position. It's not really about Christ. It's not really about the truth. It's not really coming to a place of understanding. Rather, it's a means by which we're seeking simply to protect and preserve 
what is already or what we already find comfortable. These people didn't care about the truth. They didn't care about the truth of who Paul was. Make him Egyptian. If that if that's going to get him, if that's going to lock him up, and if that's going to execute him, then make him Egyptian. Make him whatever you got to make him. Place accusations on him so that we can continue on with doing whatever we've been doing because at the end of the day, we don't want our way of life to change. We don't want something in our heart to change. No. So we're going to argue. That's what we're going to do because we don't want anything to change. That's why most folks argue. Most folks are arguing because they actually don't want anything in their life to change. They like the way things are right now. They're good all by themselves. Pride. Pride is why people argue. Not the pursuit of understanding or the pursuit of truth. And that's why when you see people arguing in the church, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you find folks arguing over doctrine, what they're really arguing over is their way of life. They're arguing over their politics. They're arguing over their power. They're not actually arguing to arrive to the truth because to arrive to the truth means you've got to let go of your way to get to the way. And most people don't want that. They want to stay Republican. They want to stay Democrat. They want to stay white. They want to stay black. They want to stay stuck in their ways and stuck in their culture. So whatever I got to do to preserve my culture, I'm going to argue and use whatever truth or half truth I need to stick in in order to make it work. People don't want to get to the truth. People just want to preserve the way that they already live. This mob wants to preserve their way. They're not ready to repent because repentance means you have to literally turn away They're not ready for that. They're not ready to repent from the law. Notice that repenting is from the law. Repenting is not from disobedience against the law. Repenting is from the law. And they're not ready for that. They're not ready to repent and move toward Jesus. They're not ready for that. They would rather have their Jewish way of life. And so now they come, they confront Paul. Ooh, this is where it gets good, y'all. He says, I'm a Jew from Tarsus, a citizen of no mean city. I implore you to permit me to speak to the people. So Paul, pay very close attention, y'all, getting to my point. So Paul was given access because of his Jewish background. He's a Jew from Tarsus. And because he's a Jew from Tarsus, he's been given access to speak to these people. If he was an Egyptian, there was no speaking. He was gone. He was done. But because he was a Jew, they gave him permission to speak. And so when the commander then gives him permission to speak, Paul opens up. And speaks in the Hebrew language. And from there, he doesn't give them doctrine. He doesn't give them, he doesn't call anything out. Paul simply shares his story. 
For those of you who are arguing and defending the faith, too many of us argue and defend ideas, man-made ideas. And I'm not, I'm not knocking apologetics, but often we think that what people need to hear is our doctrinal positions because somehow we think doctrine is what's going to bring people to salvation. But what if you just brought your story? People can argue ideas, but people cannot argue your story. People can argue against all these other things, all these notions, all these axioms of thought, all these doctrines. People can argue all those things, but they cannot argue your experience. So share your story. Stop sharing about all these ideas of religion and share who Jesus is and who he is to you. Share what Jesus has done in your life, not what you've learned about Jesus. Because people can say you learned wrong, but the one thing they can't say is that your life wasn't changed. So share your story. Don't share ideas. Too many of us are sharing ideas. Not enough of us are sharing our story. And Paul, who's got all the ideas, because we see, we'll see in all the letters that we read later on, which you'll read through the read and rant, you're going to read about all the ideas. Paul had a deep understanding of the gospel. Paul had a deep understanding of the Jewish faith, but he knew the gospel and he knew how to speak into it. He was able to dissect and deliver Paul. Man, that man was brilliant. But Paul right here was not going to exercise his intellectual brilliance. Paul was going to share his story. And so Paul goes and he shares the story. We already read the story, but now Paul is reminding them of what he had encountered, what he had experienced. And he's doing it all in the Hebrew language. Pay close attention, y'all. I'm getting to my point. It's one thing I want you to remember. So in order to speak, Paul was delivered from that moment of execution or that moment of danger, that moment of risk, because Paul was a Jew. And at the end, when Paul speaks, they all listen because he's speaking in the Hebrew language. Paul was given access because of his ethnicity. Pay close attention, y'all. Paul was given access to preach and to minister and to share his story because of his ethnic background. But then they hear the story. And of course, the religious ones who are still trying to preserve their way of life say, nah, he's got to go. It's time for us to execute him. And they said, away with this fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. That's what they said. They were like, we're done with this guy. Yeah, we heard everything he said. And, and, and that's it. He's done. He's gone. Then. Look at what it says in verse 25. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by. Notice this is Paul's brilliance, y'all. Paul says to him, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? So wait, Paul was just a Jew not too long ago. His Jewish background, his Hebrew ethnicity, 
gave him access to open his mouth and speak. However, his Roman citizenship gave him protection for what he just spoke. He's Hebrew by ethnicity. And notice the divide between the Jews and the Romans culturally, religiously, politically. I can't think of a greater divide at that time. At least in in the modern world. I can't think of a greater divide in the modern world at that time. And now you've got a Paul who is Roman by citizenship, born a Roman, but raised a Jew. He had Roman rights and protections, but he had a Hebrew and Jewish background. He was raised up in Hebrew culture, but also raised up in Roman culture. What Paul was born into gave him opportunity in that moment. His Hebrew background gave him access to speak. His Jewish background sustained him. Sorry, his Jewish Hebrew background gave him access to speak. His Roman background sustained him. I want you to listen very carefully, y'all. I want you to listen very, very carefully on this. Paul was the one called to the ends of the earth because Paul came from the ends of the earth. Paul was called to the ends of the earth, even though Paul was a devout Jew. Jesus picked him out. You have to understand, Paul didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Paul. There's some of us who think somehow that we found Jesus. How are you going to find Jesus when you were lost in your sauce? Some folks who think they found Jesus, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. He pursued you. He came after you. There's nothing you could have done to find him. Even in your lowest of low, Jesus found you. Some of you might have thought you found Jesus when you were in prison. You did not find Jesus in prison. Jesus was waiting for you there. He found you. Some of you think it was in your lowest of low that you found Jesus. You did not find Jesus there. Jesus found you. You had no capacity and no ability to find Jesus. Jesus pursued after you. Jesus pursued after Paul. Jesus picked out Paul. Jesus plucked Paul out of his religiosity, his zealousness for the Jewish faith, and met him in a powerful way. Jesus picked out Paul. Just think about that for a second. Jesus picked him out because Jesus said, some of you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is upon you. And some of you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Some of you will be witnesses to me in Judea. Some of you will be witnesses to me in Samaria. And some of you will be witnesses to me in the ends of the earth. Paul, you're going to be a witness to me in the ends of the earth. The way I'm going to get to the ends of the earth is I'm going to pick a guy from the ends of the earth. I need a guy who was born Roman who can reach the Romans. I need a guy who was born Greek, born among the Greeks. He may be Jewish, but born among the Greeks. 
to speak to the Greeks. I hear men who could speak Greek, who studied Greek. But I also need a man who was born Hebrew, who can be a bridge for those two cultures to bring the message to fruition, to reveal the full breadth of the gospel. Paul was chosen by God. Where he was born set him up for where God was calling him to. For some of you, you're still trying to evaluate, well, what's next for me? It starts from where you were born. God had a plan for you from the beginning. From the beginning. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I already knew you. God knew you before you were born. And some of you may feel like you were born in less than desirable situations. Some of you may have been born in less than desirable circumstances. Some of you may have even been told that there was no intention for you. Some of you may have even been told that you were a mistake. There is no mistake with God. <laughs> There's no mistake with God. You might have been somebody's mistake, but you were never God's mistake. And the truth is, is that no one really gets to decide that God does. And every one of you are questioning and saying, man, where I'm born, that's what's holding me back, fam. Where you're born does not hold you back from what God's calling you to. I don't care what challenges they are. You might've been born in the hood. You might've been born in a single parent home. You might've been born in a toxic home. You might've been born, whatever it is that you were born in, God is giving you unique access through what you were born in. Have you ever thought that maybe God pulled you out of there so that you can reach the people who are there to pull them out of there? Today, family, I just want to encourage you to truly evaluate the background that God has given you because the background that he has given you is an access that God has given you. I have a background which gives me an access to a certain people, to a certain group, to a certain context because that's what I came out of. There's no part of my story, no part of my life that God is not applying for his glory. And there's no part of your life that God is not applying. And if your story is different than mine, that's perfectly fine because God is uniquely calling you to a people that coincide with your story. So today, family, today, family, seek the Lord, have the conviction of the Holy Spirit to go where God's calling you and know that your background is your ticket to wherever God is calling you to. Don't regret where you came from. Leverage it. Use it. Use where God has called you to. Use it for where God is calling you to, sorry. Bless you, family. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you as we come together today. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, bless this moment, bless each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that as we spend time, as we have spent time today in your word, Father, I pray that you would encourage us today to know that, Lord, you have called us each uniquely, each with unique stories to reach people in unique places and unique contexts. 
So we pray your blessing today. We pray your grace today. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I will see you guys um, this weekend as we engage in Bible study. All right. Join us on Discord. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. I will see you guys. And um, have a blessed day today, y'all. Love y'all. Peace out, fam.